0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fully Expressed podcast, the most vulnerable podcast on the internet. And I'm here today with my good friend, my brother, Will Reason. And right before we press record, we were just talking about how this conversation is a long time coming. While I know Will well here in Austin, Texas, Uh, We have not gone to the depths of the conversations I imagine we're going to have this afternoon. So uh, Will is joining me as a coach. Uh, He's a somatic experiencing practitioner, uh, and he also trains trainers. So he trains people on how to facilitate this work, which is incredibly powerful, life-changing. And I imagine we're going to dive deep into all those today. I imagine. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, thanks for being here, Will. And um, I will start out with a, a simple question. Tell me the story by your last name. Let's jump in. All right, yeah.
1: Um, so back in, I think it was 2017, um, I was considering I was just reinventing myself professionally mm-hmm. and how I presented myself to the world. And a question that I've asked since I was a small child... I used to kind of tease my parents, you know, strong willed, my name, William, Mm. I go by will and I'm very strong willed. And I always wanted to understand everything. Mm. And so I wanted to understand the reason things function the way that they did people, history, culture, technology, all of it. And so when I was thinking about how I wanted to present myself, um, professionally to the world, my last name, my given last name is Diefenderfer. It's 13 letters long. Mm-hmm. It's impossible for most people to spell it. It's a mouthful. It's Pennsylvania <laughs> Dutch. Yep, it's German. So, <laughs> it, it's very, it's a really cool name. Yeah. yeah I mean, Village of it a is. Thousand Warriors from the Black Forest. <laughs> you know. I mean, that's pretty dope. Pretty freaking cool. <laughs> so, but my middle name being Reason, it's simple. Mm. Again, mm-hmm. the spelling is kind of different so mm-hmm. it looks like resin.
0: It's unique, yeah. yeah.
1: And And I decided, well, that's easier to mess up mhm to get wrong you know yeah. but it, it's at least easier people will try and say it mhm and so i shifted and i wrote a, a little story about it at the time i had a blog um basically just kind of sharing a bit more about what i just said mm-hmm. to you you know the the journey of my life has been a life of inquiry mhm um both within myself and in the world and so that it fit me really yeah. well mhm really helps to helps me with my own, the way I hold the frame of my identity professionally,
0: beautiful, yeah. beautiful. You, you talked. I uh, started talking about transforming yourself mm-hmm. back in 2017. Well, I started playing
1: with the w- the name I was I was carrying back in 2017, but the transformation. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> it's just been a journey of transformation most of my life. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, professionally, I changed careers in 2014. Yeah, I started working with a set of mentors in 2012. Um, and it was really deep, immersive work. They were psychologists or are psychologists and uh, astrologers. Mm. Um, it's a husband and wife team. Linda and Michael Brady are their names. And uh, Linda wrote a book. I, um, her and Michael co authored a book called Discovering Your Soul Mission. Mm-hmm. And it's through the lens of karmic astrology. Uh, Linda was an educator and heavily studied Carl Jung's work. And she met her husband, Michael, who is a, a psychologist. And he heavily studied Young's work as well as Milton Erickson's work. Mm-hmm. Erickson being a heavy, one of the influencers of NLP. Yeah. Um, and so at the time, they were working at an inpatient care facility of sorts for um, people that just couldn't manage in the world psychologically mm-hmm. or physiologically. And they grew really close in that in that environment. And then they began creating their own modality, their own technique, their own form of astrology. Yeah. And they traveled around for many years uh, before taking clients over the phone. Mm. And they worked with people all over the world via the telephone. And back in 2012, for me, I was just, <laughs> I worked in, in uh, music production mm-hmm. at the time and opera production work and, and things like that. And I thought, Oh my God, here's a model. I can make a hundred dollars an hour, $150 an hour. What, Kidding me? This is that's great <gasps> on the money. phone all over the world. Right. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I started working with them, and, mm-hmm. and um, I was like, you know, h- "How do I? How do I do this? Can you? Yeah. Can you train me?" And she had a three-year-long uh, astrology training program. Wow! And so I began going through it, and it just we weren't. I wasn't able to spend enough time with them. Mm-hmm. I went and I spent a weekend with them down in their uh, in their place down in Florida, and. Um, while I was there, I asked them, I've always been somebody to just ask questions. And I think in certain situations, it, it, it may be less tactful than might be artful at mm-hmm. times. And what ends up happening is I find myself in situations that other people might not because they don't ask. Mm. And so in this experience with them, I'm having this amazing transformational experience where evaluating my life, I'm studying astrology, learning about the archetypes and symbols and the reflection of the inner self in the outer world, and the outer world and the inner self, and so on and so forth. And I'm examining my dreams. Michael um, did a lot of past life regression and mm-hmm. current life regression, hypnosis, and things like that. So I'm experiencing that, and, and it's like I'm a, I'm living something out of a book. Yeah. <laughs> and and so while I'm there, I'm like, how do I study with you two more? Mm-hmm. Have you ever allowed somebody to live with you? And mm. literally asked this. And it's <laughs> like, can I live with you and apprentice with That's you? That's amazing. And they're like, wow, I don't know. You can afford it. And I thought about it. So probably not. <laughs> probably Not Not at <laughs> that time. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but, <little> um, <laughs> but I didn't give up. Mm-hmm. And so and I thought about it. And I thought, well, what if you could train me and you could still do your work? Mm. Maybe we, we train for a couple hours. You still work with your clients. I get to h- see how you're working with your clients. Mm-hmm. And I get to learn. Mm-hmm. And they thought about it. And they had a second property in uh, northern Vermont really close to the Canadian border. And um, they said, well, if you if you can have at least one more person join you, we'll do a retreat experience. We'll, we'll condense the three years of the training into a month, mm-hmm. and you can live with us, and it'll be immersive. Whew. And so I reached out to somebody in the cohort that was going through the three-year training, and, or I reached out to the, the group, and, and uh, one of the people who's who passed uh, two years ago or last year from cancer, she and I went and wow. spent this, ended up being 45 days, <laughs> living with Linda and Michael. It was a two-bedroom cabin mm. in northern Vermont. It was absolutely beautiful. Beautiful there. And she brought her 16-year-old son. Wow. So he got to experience dream analysis. We would, He was like our... Practice test subject yeah. for <laughs> hypnosis and dream analysis, yeah. and we were about and an, you know analyzing our own dreams right. and playing on each other, and I, it was like something out of out of a, a couple of different books that I'd read. Oh um, my god! Yeah, the Journey of the experience. Celestine prophecy reminded me of that, mm-hmm. and then the Alchemist's Journey reminded me of that, and you know. Meanwhile, I'm learning about the symbols. Mm-hmm. We'd go outside, and she would be talking to me about the leaves and different insects and how they correlate to different signs and how that correlates to different parts of the personality Mm -hmm. and uh it was amazing and i was sounds amazing (laughs) i was hooked man (laughs) yeah yeah and
0: and how old were you at the time let's see so that was in
1: 2014 so i'm 39 now it's 2021 so we work backwards (laughs) (laughs) you guys do the math (laughs) that's right listeners can do the math okay so
0: 2014 so after that what happened like what was the
1: So I immediately began taking clients. Mm, mm -hmm. I came back that summer and I started taking, started working with people. Yeah. Um, And some of the first clients I worked with were clients that my mother was working with at the time. She's a psychotherapist. Mm -hmm. And so I worked with some people with um, various different uh, personality disorders and um, lots of dysregulation. I wouldn't have called it dysregulation at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But now looking through the somatic lens, I can say, well, highly traumatized people. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And I experimented. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, of course, with consent from the individuals and they sign release forms and mm-hmm. all of the you know, very professionally approached stuff. But I, I began experimenting with. So I was using language and then I was looking at the symbols of the projected self and mm-hmm. how those symbols show up in the words that we use and then in the imagery that we receive from the world, from our intuition and from our dreams. And so I began starting in that place. Mm hmm done a lot of work with psychedelics so imagery story Mm -hmm. analogy things like that really just they click in my mind
0: beautiful what are like what are some questions that you ask in that in that like digging process like getting to the symbolism Getting like what would be something that would bring that up it's um
1: it's it's kind of contextual i suppose but uh I'm so curious and wanting Mm -hmm. to understand. Um, It seems to just naturally happen where I'll hear something and then I'll ask a little bit more about something I'm noticing in the use of language that somebody's Mm -hmm. using. Something in their posture, something in their body language, something, some
0: sort of something in my intuition. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. What was it like growing up with your mom as a psychotherapist and... Uh, and then, as you got into this work, what what was that relationship dynamic like?
1: Well, when I was young, she was a school teacher. Mm-hmm. When I was a child, she was an art teacher, and she taught at a Waldorf school. I went to mm-hmm. a Waldorf school for mm-hmm. the first few years of my life, or, or first few years of school. Um, and she shifted roles as an educator. Went back to school, got her master's in special education, mm-hmm. so became w- started working with special needs children. Um, so the relationship was she encouraged my creativity and exploration. Mm-hmm. my imagination was cultivated my exploration of musical instruments of play um, anything that would in like, awaken that the mm-hmm. connection to this sp- the spirit so to speak that yeah. w- or that sense of aliveness. Mm-hmm. so I spent so much time outside we didn't have a television until I was like twelve or thirteen Beautiful. something like that you know. So lots of cultivation of the imagination. When she, I was a, an adult when she transitioned into working in uh, the field of mental health, but in psychotherapy. But it was about that point in her life where she had her own transformation. Mm. She was healing from PTSD mm-hmm. and a variety of other things, and she started learning. Wow! And sh- she was really adept at it. Mm-hmm. Really adept at it. And so, so we be- we came so
0: much closer when when that started when that happened for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine so. And, and what a, like, what a beautiful gift that she gave you to the fostering of the creativity and then also allowing you to witness her transformation. Like oh yeah. something oh yeah. a lot of people don't get to experience from their parents.
1: I fully agree, man. You know, we can be afraid in our culture, I think, where it's not, um, it's not normal in our culture for us to talk about the things that are going on inside, mm-hmm. the emotional difficulties that we're having. Mm-hmm. But during my teenage years, things were tough for us as a family, and everything was laid out there for all of us as mm. a family. We couldn't, we couldn't ignore it. We couldn't turn away from it. When, when my parents split up, um, my, f- my father began the journey of gender reassignment. Mm-hmm. And in that, we can't not talk about it yeah well a lot of people don't talk about it i, mm. I, I guess that's not true plenty of people can not talk about it they can avoid it we as a family i uh, just couldn't not talk about it yeah and so there was a lot of learning that came with all of that mm-hmm. how do we talk about these things and i was a teenager and oh I was yeah. very like much processing my anger and my pushing away from the family at the time but it, it turned out to be a, a, a huge gift for us mm-hmm. as a family. We really, we learned how to communicate yeah. about these things and we learned how to interact with each other during those,
0: those difficulties
1: and intense experiences.
0: What, what were some of those challenges of, of teenage will that was like mm-hmm. going through all that? Uh, well
1: 12 to 15, I was in and out of group homes and mm. uh, foster care home like facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to, I was in a boys camp, um, for almost a full year, mm-hmm. and so those were very difficult and traumatic experiences. And then, when I came home, I was home for fifteen to so it was part of part of tenth grade. Yeah, and then my my parents split up, mm-hmm. and so some of the some of the ways that I processed it was um, I turned to music, I turned to I started smoking a lot of cannabis mm-hmm. and then I started drinking alcohol just kind of experimenting with things that would alter my state mm-hmm. to feel good yeah, or to not feel, yeah, to feel good and not feel the thing, the pain. Mm-hmm. And so that, that kind of began this turning away from that, which was too much at the time, which is, you know, it's so interesting because that is so intelligent mm. for us from From my perspective, <laughs> as um, as a practitioner nowadays, I think about how we how we demonize these kinds of behaviors. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean like,
0: for instance, you mean like the substances yeah, and yeah, uh,
1: mm-hmm. any sort of addictive behavior. Comes from a really intelligent place, yeah. Um, And I can look back on that part of my life, and I don't hold shame about it anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, at the time, I felt an enormous amount of shame. I would hide it, or you know, or I just completely brazenly was all about it. You know, forget the world; the world's wrong. I'm right. You know, Mm -hmm. those kinds of things. But it's so intelligent. Mm. Like being in our bodies, overwhelming. Or for me, it was it was overwhelming to be with what I had experienced, yeah. and because of that, I did something so that I could stay here in the world mm-hmm. and, and be with myself. And it's a really intelligent thing for us to do.
0: Beautiful compensation patterns. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's like you you lose your leg uh-huh. and you f- figure out how to walk on one leg. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yep. And yep. we
1: all have different ways of doing this. So I could have turned towards achievement. Mm-hmm. I could have turned towards school, good grades. Exercise, mm-hmm. sports—you know—I could have turned towards those particular things, but instead I turned towards other things. Yeah, and neither is right or wrong. Yeah. It's just one's socially acceptable and one's not.
0: Mm.
1: Right? Yeah, right. yeah. And when it's socially acceptable, we encourage mm-hmm. people to do more of it. Right. Yet there's usually an under underlying
0: reason for some of that. Absolutely. I was in the fitness industry for well over a decade and almost universally, most people were in there from a place of not enough, from a place of fixing themselves and oftentimes escaping just their life. It was like, this is an hour escape. Yeah. So they don't have to think or feel about what just happened at work or at home. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so that we don't have to feel our bodies. Mm-hmm. We don't have to feel yeah.
1: what's happening inside of there. We don't have to feel our emotions, or we can feel our emotions, in air quotes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can touch into that anger and that rage. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. Not really. Mm-hmm. Not really. I'm in control.
0: Mm-hmm. At least. Right. And that's necessary for us. Mm-hmm. Talk about that point a little bit. I think that one I'd love to dive into, the sense of control or, or this perception of control.
1: When something happens outside of our control, something that happens too quickly, too fast for us to process, it's too much for us to process, we literally are without control. Mm-hmm. We We have no agency in that moment. And so regaining a sense of control is an intelligent way of kind of um, recreating a scenario that pr- allows us to have the thing we didn't have, right? There's an intelligence to it. Yet, oftentimes, we're just, we end up in a loop. Yeah. Right? And that control isn't really fulfilling what it's attempting to fulfill. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a symptom of something else. It's like masking it, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's it's an intelligent attempt to regain agency, but oftentimes it keeps us stuck because we don't really complete whatever the something was mm. that is yeah. looking for completion.
0: Mm. What what things? If if you're open to sharing, what like yeah. what what were some of the big things that you needed to complete when you did this healing work? What were the things that you needed to to go back and look at? It? That's a great question.
1: You know, there we moved a lot when I was younger, so. My ability to create connections mm. was one of those things that needed healing. Um, processing some of the attacks that I lived through, mm. being jumped, beaten, mm-hmm. um, to survive in, in, in the boys' home, the outdoor one that I was in, um, the social socially acceptable thing to do was to be beaten into a gang Mm -hmm. so to speak and they chose me because i was a soft one Mm -hmm. nobody else really did it It yeah just just me wanting to belong but um there was that leftover the lingering um fear of groups or just kind of the body patterns the muscle constrictions Mm -hmm. you know some of that stuff and so that needed to be healed and I still discover more of these little things that are left over in me as I'm working with, uh, I work with a Feldenkrais practitioner right now. His name is Pat Siebert. Yeah. This guy, talk about a wizard. <laughs> he's incredible. A wizard. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I discover all sorts of things that don't have any stories. Mm, mm-hmm. Just lingering yep. memories in my body and my muscle patterns mm-hmm. that, are, that are creating the shape that I carry. Mm-hmm. You know? And that happens throughout our whole life. It's yeah. a pretty cool thing that we can do. That it's very cool. Yeah,
0: it's very cool,
1: and I'm glad that I can do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm glad that we all can, right? Mm-hmm. It's 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 how we adapt to changing circumstances and environments. Mm-hmm. It's how we can be prepared for the the change that I- exists in our world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the the belief around evolution being over generations, but also within ourselves, within yep. our timeline. Like this body, we yep. can evolve, and yeah. we do evolve. Yep. It's just uh, so few people are, is it aware of it or is it a resistance to it? I think so few people are aware of it because I think awareness
1: really is, that's where I start with everything it's nowadays. starting line, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the biggest key, I think. Have you ever read any of Anthony DeMello's stuff or listened to any of Anthony DeMello's lectures? No. Um, maybe in the show notes we can put a link to a lecture that I recommend. Um, there's a book he wrote called Awareness, and it's mm-hmm. b- and it's just basically somebody took and, and wrote out his lecture. Mm. And so there's a link on Spotify to the actual lecture, and we can maybe link to that. Beautiful,
0: yeah, for sure. Um,
1: awareness, I think, is where we begin, because mm-hmm. when I'm aware of myself, things change automatically. Mm-hmm. Right, when I'm if I was aware that I had a spider on my arm, the spider would come off my arm through me. Mm. It would happen through me. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have to will the spider off my arm. Mm -hmm. Right? You know? So there's a way that our our system is just naturally intelligent and it knows what to do. We inhibit it. Mm. By we, you mean? Humans. And and the mind. The mind. Yeah. yeah. Well, conditioning, really. I think uh, so much of it's unconscious at this point. It's just part of our conditioning. I don't think about inhibiting my emotional response to something stressful when I'm in a group of people. Mm. It happens as a part of the cultural norm, right? And so I have to bring awareness to myself, or I don't have to. I choose to bring awareness to my body so that I can notice when those things happen so that Mm -hmm. I can allow them to happen instead of inhibiting them Mm -hmm. so that they don't live on inside.
0: Yeah. Was it a difficult process for you to... Navigate your body to navigate sensations to go there. Uh, in the beginning, it was yeah. yeah. My work with
1: Linda and Michael, their frame they they were the entry point to my body. I had most of my work up until that point was mind focused, psychologically mm-hmm. focused. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it was spiritually focused too. I mean, I went I went and I dove really deep into studying mysticism as many different cultures of mysticism as possible. Beautiful uh, occult magic and esoteric studies and all sorts of different things. But with them, they directed me in this present moment to notice my emotions, to find them in my body, and to name them, mm-hmm. and to put language to what was happening. And at that time, I was a hundred pounds heavier. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I was drinking alcohol on a regular basis. I mean, I worked at a, a bar as a bouncer for five years mm-hmm. while I was doing other things, and I drank every night. Yeah. You know, like. And Extreme amounts of alcohol—it's <laughs> just not good for yeah. somebody's body to drink that much alcohol. <laughs> and so, I be when I started looking inside, or not really, just becoming aware mm-hmm. of myself. What is the emotion? They'd say, "Well, you seem like you're you're feeling something. What are you feeling right now?" And I'm, I'm not feeling anything. You? And it wasn't that I d- wasn't feeling anything; it's that I didn't have language for what was happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, my common phrase at that time was, "I think I feel." Ah. Uh. So it's the mind attempting to place labels and judgments and meanings on what was happening inside mm-hmm. of my body, and so that was the beginning point. It was difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, to your question, you know, how 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 easy was it? What was that like? It was hard because then I came into contact with the things that I'd been mm-hmm. avoiding, mm-hmm. the things I'd been turning away from: you know, smoking cigarettes, drinking alcohol. All of that is just a coping mechanism. It's a strategy for managing. That too muchness that was inside, and so, as I got closer to it, it meant that I felt it. Mm-hmm. It meant that I cried, it meant that I allowed myself to be angry. It meant that I like emoted and mm-hmm. I practiced being in connection to that, really feeling it and allowing myself to go to those depths and then to be supported by somebody else in the mm-hmm. process. You know oftentimes, the rupture that we experience as human beings is a relational rupture. You know, of some kind. And so it it takes some sort of relationship for that to heal. We've got to have some sort of safety for that to take place. Yeah. And safety can be present, but we might not notice that it's there Mm -hmm. because we've been practicing being guarded for so long. So, right, you know, there's that journey of noticing that constriction, noticing the lack of safety, and,
0: oh, ah, I am safe. Mm -hmm. How do you teach that process of noticing that you're guarded and if the desire is to slide into safety, slide into trust, uh, to be supported, what is the process that you?
1: Well, it starts with noticing where we are. It's so like even right now, if we take a look around the space where we are right now and let our, so we've got headphones on. So we can, we can only take in so much sound, but we can take in the, sen- I mean the the things that we see and the things that we might smell, right? Like I can smell the essential oil that's on my body right now. Right? So we, we start by bringing our awareness to this present moment. And then from there, we bring our awareness inside or maybe to the outside of us. You know, maybe I put my hand on my leg and I notice the change in temperature. So I just begin on the, the on the outside of myself. So now I'm bringing awareness. So, what is that temperature change like? Can I notice? Can I can I put my awareness in my hand? And then can I move my awareness to my leg and be the part of me that's being touched mm-hmm. and notice what it's like to be touched? Mm-hmm. You know, and then can I shift my awareness back to my hand and be the touching mm. the part yeah. of me that's touching? Right. And then what is it that I notice? Do and so the, beg- the where we begin is cultivating a language for this. Because in the beginning I didn't have words. I didn't I didn't have words for sensations. I didn't have words for emotions. Mm-hmm. And now we have tools for these things. Yeah. I have worksheets and stuff that yeah. I put to class. Yep. I, I have a vocabulary of sensations document. Yeah, yeah. The wheel of emotions. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> All yep. of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. bit by bit I we cultivate these these tools mm-hmm. that we can use to better put language to what we're noticing on the inside and and the more language we have for it that means you know the more nuanced our awareness can become. Yeah.
0: <laughs> my ex-wife and I <laughs> she would joke <laughs> my vocabulary for emotions was good, fine and uh <laughs> uh-huh. That was where I started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: my uh, One of my teachers will say, is it pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral? Mm. And I'm at this point where I, I spend a lot of, I can I can take the time to notice the nuance. And so what he does now instead is the, let's take the nuance away and, and not label it at all and mm-hmm. simply notice it. Mm-hmm. But that's where I began. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you, what is it? I have no idea. Where is it? I don't know.
0: Why is this a thing that we have to teach people (laughs) in their (laughs) adult lives? That's
1: a great question, Chris. (laughs) I think that that points to my bigger mission in the world. Why Why do we have to teach this later in life? Because our culture, the human race, aside from a few cultures... And, and not even really cultures, a few groups of people. Aside from a few groups, most of us um, have an embedded conditioning pattern in us where for so many thousands of years, we have done the same thing. We have these cultures that have lived on or these, these ways of, of relating that have been passed on from generation to generation. We don't even know why they are yeah. anymore. Yeah. And so now we're, we grow into that so as we're growing, we're adapting to it, and that information becomes encoded into us, hardwired into mm-hmm. us, right? And it, I don't think it would take long to break that cycle. Yeah, it's just we all have to get on board with breaking the cycle mm-hmm. in our own cultures. Yeah, right. And and we could we could influence how it happens here in the West, in the United States, and maybe in another English-speaking country mm-hmm. where we understand some of the nuances. But I, I couldn't influence anything in India. Yeah, couldn't influence anything in South Africa. I don't know anything about the uh, the local communities. Mm-hmm. But I think it's possible for us as a species to wake up and to change the way that we condition our young mm. by changing the way we
0: are as adults. What What is required to change that conditioning for 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 children? <coughs> well
1: we know that saying children learn from what we do not what we say right mm-hmm. i think that that's the answer we change what we do not what we say mm-hmm. and what we say will match that mhm um and then that requires us waking up yeah like really becoming self aware mm-hmm. aware of our like becoming sensitive to life i think that that maybe that's mm. that's the better way of saying it or the more clear way of saying it it's not it's not so much waking up is that can be you know a little bit nebulous Mm -hmm. as a meaning but it's i want to cultivate a sensitivity to myself and to the world because when i'm sensitive to life when when i'm sensitive to myself there's no way i can pick up a gun and shoot somebody it's not possible Mm -hmm. it's impossible i couldn't do it but if I'm disconnected from the sensitivity to myself and to the world, if I cannot appreciate the world when I step outside and take in nature, if I can't take in you if mm-hmm. because I can't take in myself, it's easy for mm-hmm. me to be like sucked into a system that will brainwash me into taking actions that I didn't know. I didn't know that I was brainwashed into doing. Yeah. You know? And, and so I think that... that, that You know, the biggest step really for us is to become sensitive, Mm. sensitive to ourselves, and not in a like I'm a pushover kind of sensitivity, Mm -hmm. but in a I'm aware of myself. I can feel myself, Mm -hmm. and then therefore I can feel you. Yeah, I can be with you. I can be with your emotions. I can be with your the realness of your humanness, Mm -hmm. you know, and with uh, all the other creatures in the world.
0: Mm. Yeah,
1: it doesn't mean that I. Might not eat. I, it's not. Doesn't mean I stop eating meat, right? But it means I'm sensitive to that, right? You know, I take only what I need. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: right. yeah. That's such a such a common principle in a lot of native cultures. It really is. We've completely eliminated yep. It's "more is better" mentality.
1: Capitalism, <laughs> I think, is is um at the root of some of that. When I consider it, I think is it the western culture? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think capitalism's embedded in the western culture mm-hmm. now. Yeah, definitely. Um but I think really a lot of it is that um hoarding mentality, mm-hmm. scarcity, mm-hmm. things are going to dry up, we need yeah. to hold on to it. But we're trained to do that. Right. That's not that's not our natural state. Yeah.
0: Mhm. It's really not. It's really our d- uh, how would you describe the natural state of humans? Well, I would direct our listeners to read a book. It's called Summerhill, by A.
1: S. Neill. Summerhill is a school. I don't know if he's st- if it's still. I think it's still there. It's in um, I think it's in the U.K. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um. The guy who founded this school took children from all different walks of life that were having difficulties or misbehaving in. Schools, in other schools or in other settings. And he gave them no rules. Mm. Completely removed all rules, period, from things. It took them six months to get it out of their system, like the pushing back and the fighting and Mm. the rebelliousness. But after that, no one rebelled against anything. Mm. They all wanted to learn. Mm. They were all interested. And no one called anybody a bad name. No one made fun of each other. They all worked together, collaborating. And there are some places. There were places in India. There were places in Africa. There were places in, I read about a place in Israel even. There are places where people still behave this way. Mm -hmm. They behave that way until some outsider comes in and tells them not to. Mm. Tells them that they need to protect themselves. Right. To lock their doors. Mm -hmm. to concern themselves with people lying yeah these cultures didn't know
0: that that was that was a thing that existed Mm because they had no use of it yeah where where do you uh, what are your thoughts on like that disease of fear like where Mm. what's the function of it like what's why is it here where did this come from when did this start I've been asking myself that question a lot lately. I don't you really do. know, yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't want to do yeah. <laughs> I wanted to hear your answer. Yeah, yeah. Oh oh man, I know. I, think I, I th- know. I, I ask myself all the time. I
1: think about how it seems to be like, a, like, a, like an organism of its own, almost, mm-hmm. you know, like a virus of some kind. It cannot survive without a host, mm-hmm. but the host doesn't have to be alive to pass it on. The host can be the written word, mm-hmm, it can be religion, yeah, it can be some sort of um cultural norm, mm mm-hmm. some sort of like familial like hand me down so mm-hmm. to speak. Where did it begin? <sighs> man, I wish I knew I don't know, yeah. I think it's been around for thousands of years, yeah, mm-hmm. um, I think maybe it began as a need for survival, mm. a survival necessity against I don't know, right, you know, who knows mm. But I see it living on through religion, through politics, mm-hmm. through culture, through family structures, mm-hmm. you know, and then c- coming closer into home, you know, to, to the way that we interact as human beings, the expectations we have in the various different settings mm-hmm. that we, that we come into contact with. It's different in every culture, yet mm-hmm. it's inherently the same in some way. Yeah. Right. It it, it so oppresses like, us. It mm-hmm. teaches us to resist our natural impulses, mm-hmm. To turn away from life, or what we would most naturally do, we see it in zoo animals. Mm. Yeah, the, the only place it shows up in the in the animal kingdom is when an animal is in captivity and it's conditioned through reward and punishment to behave in a certain way or to
0: inhibit its behavior in a certain way. Mm. We are the zoo animals. We are. Yeah, just yeah. a l- really long experiment. That's right, and, mm-hmm. and we've done it to ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> we're the zookeepers and right. the zoo animals. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are our own zookeeper.
1: Yeah, we are our own our own zookeeper. Yeah, mm-hmm. our own. Our own uh, we're the prisoners and we're the keeper. Yeah, we we each hold a key to that. Mm-hmm. Our own.
0: When someone realizes they're holding the key, it's oh, a beautiful moment. <sighs> so beautiful. Oh.
1: <laughs> and then we have to be reminded. Again and again. Yes. Because right, we can slide right back into the conditioning. Yes. So think, how old are you? 35. 35, right. And I'm 39. So you've had 35 years of conditioning. I've had mm-hmm. 39 years of conditioning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no matter how long I I work at bringing attention to this, I'm still, you know, there's still the conditioning that's happened, that's mm-hmm. taken place, mm-hmm. that's embedded in my my body and i'm not 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 in like random i mean like real-time access memory not explicit memory not a thing that i can name the thing happened at a certain time it's encoded in the structure and the shape of my organism Mm -hmm. the way that i formed is a result of this conditioning and so changing that conditioning requires a changing of my form. It means the structure of my organs becomes somewhat different. It means the structure of my muscles and my bones. It means the memories that live on inside my body need to be integrated, mm. somehow adjusted, maybe. Yeah. You know, and and that takes I take some skill. Yeah. <laughs> and it takes time. Time, yeah, and a lot of repetition. That's right. Time and repetition. Yes, exactly. So, how did we get here? Time and repetition. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I think about, you know, f- um, working in this field, the field of personal development, self-help, however we want to, mm-hmm. whatever we want to call it, healing. The, f- the first three, four years of our life, that's where our hardware was developed,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And our software programming foundation mm-hmm. began. We had no say so over any of that. Mm-hmm. We couldn't influence it, even if we wanted to. Yeah. We weren't, uh, you know, there wasn't. We didn't have our hippocampus. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> even there, I know. so we couldn't <laughs> think in in terms of spatial or like the orientation. way that we do yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I heard Peter Levine say something in a book of his um, that I thought was absolutely brilliant. Our perception of time and memory is an intelligent survival adaptation, so that we could predict where food will be and where threats have been so that we can avoid them or move towards them. Whoa. Whoa. So time is experienced by us exclusively. Yeah. Because of a survival adaptation to support the furthering of our species.
0: Mm. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. We're the only animals that experience time, right? In yeah. that way, yeah. Yeah. Everyone else,
1: exp- all the other animals, experience it more in like a real time kind of a mm-hmm. way. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. It's not a necessity so much for them; it's instinct. Hmm. Right. Instinctive memory is: I know not to go to that area, and I just don't anymore. I don't think about it. I'm not yeah. analyzing it. There's right. no.
0: There's no need for that. No need. Yeah. You just know. Mm-hmm. You the know, and you're to. Sp- yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: our soft parts are on the front of our body. Yeah. Right? Mm. Our, our most sensitive and, and um, vulnerable. vulnerable parts are on the front of our body, right? So we're upright and we're looking forward out in front of us in the distance. So that distance also creates relationship between us and somewhere else. Mm. Right? That's Again, space, yeah. space mm-hmm. time. Mm. So prediction of that, yeah. measurements of things. Interesting. Uh, it's all an adaptation. Yeah. you know, and, and another thing I like to remind myself of um, and this is outside of any structure of religion that anybody may, may believe in, is that we, the earth, peoples, just like a tree apples. Mm. We are that which the earth grows. So the, the earth grows us as humans. Explain that a little more. Like a tree grows leaves. We the are organic things, matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we're organic matter. We are of the earth. Of the earth. Yeah, the earth. Our bodies literally, is, literally yeah. is our mother in that way. Mm-hmm. Just like our mother is our, or, or, you know, organically mm-hmm. is grown us. Mm. But without the earth, without the water, without the oxygen, without the minerals, without th- all the chemicals, without all the all of that, no, we we just we cease to exist. Cease to exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Without a tree, a leaf dies. Yeah. Mm. Without the dead trees, the new acorn doesn't grow. Right, right. Because mm-hmm. the dead trees are what make up the earth. Mm-hmm. Right? The earth simply is death. Yeah, decay, and we grow right out of that. So there is this this cycle of of that that's happening inside of us. So I say all of this to. Sometimes I like to remind myself to demystify some of the things that mystics mm-hmm. or religion have talked about for so so long because it be can be really complicated. Yeah. When w- we have a tendency as creatures to <laughs> like put <laughs> layers of complexity yeah. around all sorts of things. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But when I remember these things, then I want to live in the only thing that is never ending, which is this present moment. Mhm. Eternity exists right now. The only thing that never stops is this present moment. It will go on infinitely. Right? The past, a moment ago, when I said that, no longer is here. Yeah. That was so gone
0: too. Right, exactly. <laughs> and
1: so we really are living in eternity right now. And yeah. so when we think about something, something comes to mind from uh, like a biblical text with being, you know, the kingdom of heaven is, is on earth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It is though. Yeah. It's when we're aware where, mm-hmm. of this present moment and we can we live in here. it. Yeah. Mm. Without the inhibiting ourselves mm. or without the lingering memory mm-hmm. of something that was too hard.
0: Mm. What are some experiences that have brought you the closest to living in the present moment
1: or practices? or Yeah. Um, psychedelics were some of, um, some of those things for me. That's where it started for me. Um, and that kind of gave me the glimmer mm-hmm. of of this this present moment experience. Um, there's so many, you know, breath work, mm-hmm. meditation of sorts. Uh, d- sometimes y- y- my, my teacher will say, oh, you're meditating. And I don't orient to it that way. Mm-hmm. I'll just sit outside and I'll allow myself to take in what's happening around me. Mm-hmm. And I won't. Name the things I'm noticing in my mind. I won't use words for them. I'll allow the sounds and the smells and the sights to wash over me, or through me, or into me somehow.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'll experience myself. That I think, that, like that's that experience of true being that we can we can access through psychedelics. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's right here all the time. All the time. Right. Yeah. yeah. We just have to be willing. To pause and to notice it, mm. I think. Or maybe it's that I've just been training myself to yeah. do that. For so yeah. long. <laughs> <laughs> repetition, right? Repetition. <laughs> lots and lots that's of repetition. That's right, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. What, uh, what what keeps people from that? Because in my experience of being in the present, in pure presence, it's the most beautiful it's everything i mean it's you're st- I, i'm so full i'm so content i'm so full of joy and love mm-hmm. in the present moment
1: well some people aren't
0: yeah mm. so
1: if i'm not full of those things being here in the present moment means that i have to face i have to feel those things mm-hmm. and if feeling those things if i don't have a, f- a technique or if i haven't learned Strategy for being with those things. If I wasn't taught how to do that, mm. um, I'm not going to turn towards it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that trauma is the root of all suffering. Mm-hmm. All suffering. And, and when I say suffering, what I mean by suffering is a lack of our ability to live in the present moment, present time awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, because suffering prevents present time awareness. It prevents present time awareness in our body and it pre- prevents. Present time awareness psychologically, mm-hmm. we're time traveling to, to past or the past future. future. Yeah, mm-hmm. because being here is t- too much, mm. you know. And and trauma is anything that happened too much or too fast for our system to process. Yeah, or anything that went on for too long. So too little, too long. Uh huh. Which is more like developmental trauma? It Could be development or neglect. Uh yeah. But mm-hmm. that can happen. Say you are you have a business partnership, and in that business partnership, you're working with somebody, and there's low-grade stress and difficulty, and you're working in that environment for 10 years. Mm-hmm. That low-grade stress and difficulty is now patterned into your body. Mm. So we might call that a form of a lingering psychosomatic impact, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So... In a way, that's kind of the same thing. Trauma is just a word that we're using to to, to talk about this constellation of some sort of something that's occurring inside of us, right? But the mystics in the East would talk about that as attachment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't let go of your attachment. Attachment. Yeah. But it's the same thing in my mind. In my mind,
0: at least. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What 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 else about mysticism? You you talked a little bit about that. You explored Eastern. A
1: little bit of Eastern. I'm getting more into Eastern mysticism nowadays. Where I began as a teenager, so I I grew up in a conservative Christian household, and so I started exploring things outside of that, Mm -hmm. and I began with my family heritage. And so there were Celts or Druids, Mm -hmm. so I started exploring earth-based, like paganism, or, uh, you know, pagan simply means of the woods, like woods, People from the woods, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it has this like massive connotation in, in certain in certain groups. But <coughs> I started exploring. Well, what are other forms of ritual? What are other forms of connecting with spirit? Um, and that led me on this journey of exploring Abrahamic traditions and then Abrahamic mysticism. So the Kabbalah is the Jewish mysticism, and they're mystics. They're contemplating the nature of reality and nature ex- of existence, um, and some pretty fascinating ways, uh, and then I found my way to uh, ritual magic, which had a blending of um, like Egyptian and all sorts of Persian influences, and so I started studying various different religions. Like I was curious, okay, well, monotheistic religions are interesting, then we've got polytheistic religions, so I started getting interested in those things, but I wasn't so much interested in the religious aspect of it as much as I was the rituals and the magic, mm. the things like alchemy mm. and um, like incantation is really influencing physical m- the physical world with something that was seemingly otherworldly. Impossible, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And what I've discovered is most of that is just science or what we would call now science. Right, yeah. right. Using uh, different elements, mixing them together, talk about them more esoterically because at the time we didn't have the same language for it. But it's yeah. talking about the same thing. Yeah. Know, alchemy is mixing these different elements together, which is, I think, you know, turned into basic chemistry. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. If you took chemi- understanding of chemistry back, you know, a couple hundred years,
0: ago, yeah, <laughs> people would have thought you were a wizard. Which begs the question, mm-hmm. why is that, why is this, what we're talking about, not accessible? Yeah. Why aren't it, why isn't everyone talking about it? Uh, I know. Because we know. all know basic chemistry. Yeah. In high school. Yeah. In do. physics.
1: Oh, oh, you say I, you're ref- you're referring to? I think the greater part of our conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. Why isn't it? I guess nobody's taken that on as a mission. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> a part of the part of my mission in the in the world is to really demystify this. Yeah. To mm. normalize being able to, we need to be able to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And the way I so, you know, passively talk about trauma, I'm like, you know, trauma. It's a it's a word that. People often shy away from they think it means rape mm-hmm. or a car accident or abuse mm-hmm. it's not yeah it's not those are some extreme examples of it but you know I mean there are all sorts of other things that that are what we define as trauma mm-hmm. but it's the lingering memory yeah you know and that <laughs> could <can> be anything <laughs> anything anything yeah. overwhelming for the <laughs> right. system right yeah an ayahuasca experience could be traumatic absolutely you know and and people don't consider that mm-hmm yeah the, the nervous system yeah. can't handle it yeah that's right, yeah mm-hmm. anything that's too much for us to make sense of for us to physically process for us to psychologically process yeah i' I've witnessed that happen, mm-hmm. yeah, so have i I, yeah. I experienced something like that mm-hmm. when I was down in the jungles in Peru, living down there, just didn't get the support that I needed, and it took me a while to process it,
0: yeah mm-hmm.
1: and you you had the tools too, this was I did after, it. yeah, yeah, I wow. had the tools, yeah, but it lingers on right, so. We want to allow our bodies to do whatever we couldn't do, but it's not a a self-guided kind of thing, Mm. you know, because the rupture is relational or it's in isolation, which means it's relational because we didn't have help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the lack of exactly. And Mm -hmm. it's a biological need for us to have community. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's an imperative. It's a part of our species. Like if, if, if a child's born and it's not touched, it will die. Yeah. And if it doesn't have support from the community, it will die. Mm -hmm. And so all of that to say, the healing happens in relationship. Mm -hmm. The healing happens in connection, but it it happens when that's safe for the organism. Mm -hmm. Not when I say it's safe. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. When it's perceived as safe by the body. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, th- I wish this was all taught in schools, man. I wish this, this was just a part of early education, that all students... I mean, I think Peter Levine did a really good job with what has turned into the somatic experiencing approach. Um, and I, I wish that portions of that model were taught to government officials, Ooh, yeah. to um, school teachers, to therapists, to co- gym coaches, to, mm. you know, to everybody, to every facet of society. As if they were, we would behave entirely differently.
0: Mm. I was just having a conversation with a woman here in Austin who's uh, working on doing that. In yeah, in, yeah, uh, private and charter school systems. Oh, yeah. that's great. Yeah, oh, that's so good. That's so, so needed. needed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. needed. hmm. really, really. What what do you, what do you believe it is about? Just the the societal mentality. Is it? just go back to fear, fear of what would happen if we did this, or is it just a misunderstanding, or like, why hasn't it? I think it's a
1: misunderstanding. I think it's, um, yeah, I think it's a misunderstanding, and a lack of information. Mm. Yeah. And I think information, like having the right information is useful, because it opens the door for us to do something yeah and mm-hmm. then it can turn into understanding
0: yeah I, I, I have so much compassion because not but three years ago um if, if i would have presented my current self to myself just three years ago <laughs> nearly a hundred percent of what i do today right. i would have called myself crazy <laughs> almost a hundred percent
1: it's crazy how, how quickly we can change uh-huh. and how much lingers on yeah, mm-hmm. both can be true. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's like I I can I- I'm still discovering things that have been that have just are have been living on in me, yet I'm so different
0: mm-hmm. than I used to be. Yeah, what are your, what are your personal practices?
1: That um, that practice of stillness or. Uh, it's not so much stillness. That practice of awareness outside, mm-hmm. in nature, or in wherever I am. That's that's one of my personal practices. Movement of some kind, floating somewhat regularly, which mm. is just another form of of spending time with myself. You know, um, forms of breathing, reflection, or contemplation. And then I work with a variety of different practitioners. Mm-hmm. I'm usually working with about three at any given time. Some, But I'll add in others. And it's been that way since 2015 mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. A variety of different, different kinds. But I, uh, I'll be studying with at least one mentor, usually two. Um, Ariana, my partner, and I uh, assist the somatic experiencing trainings. So like when we finished yeah. and we got our our um, certificate of completion from them, we went on to become assistants with their with the trainings, and yeah. that that ke- keeps me connected to the material in a new way. I'm not going through as the learner anymore. Mm-hmm. Now I'm helping the new students, and then I'm teaching the material, so I stay connected to the material as mm-hmm. well. I mean that's that's more intellectually, but the intellectual like the remembering of it helps me to remember to be aware. Mm-hmm. When I sit down, when I lay down to go to bed, I track my sensations. Mm-hmm. I check in with my body. Is there anything here? Does something want to be felt? Do I need to speak something? Mm. Uh, ask myself those questions, mm-hmm. really being in there with my body. And then play. Yes. I can't stress this yes. enough. It's funny to use that, that turn of phrase. I can't stress it enough. <laughs> <laughs> The oh they got us I know, <laughs> the I language. Know, man. <laughs> the play, oh my god, play is one of the hardest things for people in the United States. Oh, I know. Or in in, West, yeah, in industrialized of, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, industrialized mm-hmm. worlds. But play with no attachment to outcome. Mm-hmm. I do this with music. Um I probably could produce an album at this point if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. But I don't. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's that's not the point Some of the point. Yeah. Mm. The point of it is doing for the sake of joy. Mm. Experimenting, playing, just having fun. Or not having fun. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> just, just playing. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And for me, music's one of those ways that I do that. Or designing things. Like I'll mm. play with creating a website. Or I'll play with like uh, graphic design stuff. Mm-hmm. Or I'll paint. Um, I may go out and play in some sort of interactive sport. Yeah, with 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 other people. I mean, it's all sorts of things.
0: Yeah. hmm And it, it, like w- again, my experience of play is so much fun. Yeah. Every time I do it, I'm yeah. like, "Whoa!" Like yeah. more of this. And uh, yet, even even myself, I get caught up in the stories and the stresses and the forget to play. That's
1: right. Yeah. It's so easy. Yeah. I, like we get sucked right into the. <laughs> like the stream of conditioning, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a Catch it's a me. wide catches river. Your ankles, <laughs> takes you out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now you're in it. Yeah. Got gotcha. you. The undercurrent is strong. Yeah, you know it. it yeah, takes it takes conscious attention mm-hmm. to to stay out of that. You know, um, back in 2000, uh, the end of 2016, the beginning of 2017, I looked at my calendar and I said, what do I want? my week to be like, how do I want to live my life? Mm -hmm. Um, And I was still designing how I wanted to work with clients at that point. I was still experimenting. I mean, I'm still experimenting now, but I've refined it to, I have my rhythm that Mm -hmm. works for me Um, and it works for the, my, my clients effectively. But at the time I thought, well, what are the things that are important to me? Um, Learning. My own work, like doing, like mm-hmm. working with uh, my own practitioners. So mm-hmm. growth um, through experience, play, creativity, and those are not always the same thing. Um, client work and space, space for options. Mm-hmm. So I could have social time. I could have introspective time. I could travel, and I wanted to have a minimum of two year uh, two months off a year mm-hmm. um and so i wrote it out on my calendar i blocked off my time slots and i started doing this little jujitsu with time <laughs>
0: yeah the puzzle pieces yeah, yeah and
1: now i see clients two ta- two days a week mm-hmm. and i run a training on one day a week and the rest of the week is for me beautiful for what i want to do with it mm-hmm. so i have other things that i do but, but creativity play Social time, downtime, mm-hmm. introspection. Everything is designed around what really connects me to my aliveness. Mm. I love that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and my ambition, while it, it exists, it's a preference as opposed to a necessity. Mm. Right. So I don't need to make millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. I don't need to have social or global impact. I think that sounds fun yeah to have those things hmm and if I don't have them, I will be perfectly okay, yeah, and if I do have them, I'll be perfectly okay mm-hmm. and I attend to myself to maintain that mm. along the way because yeah. I think we it's easy to, it's get easy to yeah it's mm-hmm. easy to get caught up in it, and mm-hmm. that's the wrong reason, I think yeah if there was a right and a wrong, I think you know it takes us further away from uh this like really living in the present moment mm-hmm to be uh to be oriented for the sake of achievement.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Mm hmm. And I think that we need help as a species, man. <laughs> <laughs> we need help. We're suffering. We're we we and, and not like we're not it's not that we're in pain. It's we are stuck. We're not living here. Mm. Not, none of us are living. We're walking around sleeping. Zombies, yeah. Dead? Mm-hmm. In pain. Mm. Stuck. Yeah crying out for help but nobody notices the signs. Well, I say, I sh- I say, say yeah. nobody but yeah. what I mean is very you know not enough people notice it.
0: Yeah. It it's it's not a, a nor- normal conversation. No. it's not a normal yeah, no. observation.
1: Yeah, you start talking about the things that are hard in your life and or when people do that oftentimes the conversation's redirected. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Cuz people can't even oftentimes can't even hold themselves right. let alone someone Absolutely. else.
1: I th- and that's what I think it is. You know, it's not, it's not, not through any fault of the person that's listening. It's yeah. more that they don't have the capacity nor do they have the tools. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's so like I'm barely hanging on myself. Right. <laughs> like right. I can't help you. I'm hanging <laughs> off the edge of the cliff and you want right. me to hold you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Pull me up. That's right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. What's uh what's something that you're really uh like excited or interested about, something you're pondering that you don't quite understand yet? Like what's the thing that you're like in the swimming around in? Oh, Chris, I love that question. Um
1: Putting language to this insight that I had in a float tank. Really around, uh, I'm kind of dancing in it in in a playful way in this conversation with you, but mm-hmm. talking about this idea of trauma, suffering, and then attachment as it's framed through um, Buddhist or Hindu traditions, and this there's a there's an intersection somewhere in almost all of the mystics from almost all of the religions on the planet that points to the same kind of thing and i think science uses the word trauma to point to the same thing. Mm. And so what i'm starting to notice or become aware of is that we're talking about the same thing. And so i'm in this question what do we do about it? How do we how do we solve that problem? I'm seeing the problem. Mhm. You know, um as i become more aware of myself. Yeah. Uh, so i'm s- i just i really like to s- I'll sit and I'll ponder this. What what's the answer? How do I talk about it? What are the words mm. to talk about it? You know, and and I'm contemplating building a lecture series of sorts, an yeah. old-fashioned like Alan Watts mm. style lecture series, yeah, um, on this this Love topic. As a it, watch, I, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I think that we we need to be in this conversation as yeah. humans, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and it needs to be a, a simple conversation,
0: not complex. Oh, man that's the challenge though yeah. right because like when you look and you like when you go deep into mysticism and traditions and it's all so simple but it's so simple that it's hard to understand sometimes yeah. Yeah. and then when we add complexity it like doesn't help yep. and so and then and then there's moments which i'm sure you've experienced where something happens and you see differently, yep. you hear differently, you experience the world differently. That's right. And it's like I just read the exact same sentence, yep. and I view it completely differently. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I w- there sometimes I'll I'll go back and I'll listen to these lectures. Um, I like to overlay Alan Watts, um, lectures onto the music that I create. Mm. And it's so funny, you know. I've heard some of these things oh, at least a hundred times. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> the same thing yeah. over and over. Everyone saying the same that thing. <laughs> I know, and and I'll
1: <laughs> hear it, and I'll and I'll say to myself, "Wow, how did I not hear that before? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, this this actually makes sense." And that's mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Yep. It's I, we just have to hear it until we can hear it. Yes. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> when I change, the world appears different. Mm-hmm right yeah. it's not that the world needs to change it's that something needs to change in me mm. yeah. so that i can see yeah you know and then when that as that's happening for me what i'm seeing is oh i want to help there's there's so much more that i want to offer for to the world i want to help others mm-hmm. to have that that kind of awareness and awakening yeah as we might call it
0: yeah, that's a, that's an intersection of uh, a lot of responsibility and also a lot of empowerment yeah. to look at it from that perspective of, of self.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, right? Self-responsibility. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah.
0: What else do you want the world to know about uh, Will Reason? Mm.
1: Well, I uh, run a training... And I'm really, really excited about this work in the world, Chris. Really, really excited about it. Um, We're training facilitators, coaches, therapists, doctors, helpers. Mm -hmm. And what we're teaching is trauma. We're teaching about trauma and we're teaching about somatics. Mm. And the program's called Trauma and Somatics. (laughs) Simple, simple title. Solid. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> great, works. great, great title for yeah. us. <laughs> so, you know, we, we go into nervous system physiology. We, ta- we teach about, a bit about psychology. And then we teach some techniques for, for helping these helpers out there in the world to notice the signs of trauma and know how to support their, the, the humans that they're with mm-hmm. um, so that their work can be more effective. So that the tools that they're already using are more effective mm-hmm. um in the world, and so we run it three times a year once in September, once in January, and once in may beautiful and, uh, and our and our round's coming up in September soon. beautiful. Uh, we've decided to open it up to a few more people this time, so you know, we beautiful really excited about
0: that well, hopefully this podcast helps and yeah. that we'll definitely put that in the show notes um anything else will. No, th-
1: thanks. This has been a really fun conversation, Chris.
0: Yeah, same for same here. I I will. I want to acknowledge you for the way that you communicate so eloquently. Things that I I know are not as simple as you make them sound. Um, at least in my experience, and and I have a lot of these conversations, and you speak so concisely, concisely to the point and as simply as it seems like possible. To explain these things. And um, that is a gift.
1: I I received that reflection. I appreciate hearing that. It's something I'm attending to. Because mm-hmm. <coughs> I used to use a lot of really complicated language. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm fascinated by science. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> go into the brain development of it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's, that's not. Um, I don't think that helps us. Mm-hmm. So hearing that from you tells me that I'm on the right path. Mm-hmm. Yeah it's yeah. it's my it's my intention right now it's my mission right now to, to do to really clear like simple simple simple
0: beautiful beautiful well thank you for doing it yeah thanks man and uh, lastly before we close um, the question I'm asking every guest is what does vulnerability mean to Will
1: mm, vulnerability to me hmm. I immediately think of two things So when I think of vulnerability, I think of safe enough to be connected to myself and to someone else. Mm -hmm. And I also think of being exposed, Mm -hmm. being being laid bare for the world to see, Mm -hmm. figuratively, Mm -hmm. or for
0: someone, something to, to see. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for bearing yourself to the world in this conversation. Thanks for providing the platform, man. This is fun. Yeah, you're welcome.